Welcome to the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast, a podcast designed for NACAP members, prospective students, and their families. Hello, everyone. My name is Phil Cook. Welcome to another edition of the Higher Education, Higher Purpose podcast. Uh, We're so pleased today to have our special guest, Chris Singleton. Chris is going to be one of our keynote speakers at the NACAP annual conference at Charleston Southern University this May. Let Let me just say hello to you first, Chris, and then I'll read the formal bio. Hello, Chris. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks so much for having me on. Good. And I'm glad. I know you've been traveling a lot, so we appreciate you taking the time. For those that may not know, I know about Chris because of my interaction or my fandom of being an athlete. But Chris is a former professional athlete who was drafted by the Chicago Cubs in 2017 following the loss of his mother in a racially motivated mass shooting. Chris has now become an inspirational speaker and best-selling author who has shared his message of unity and racial reconciliation with NFL and NBA teams, as well as multiple Fortune 500 companies across the country. He shares with over 100 organizations and over 30,000 students annually and resides with his spouse, Mariana, and his son, CJ and Caden, in Charleston, South Carolina. Again, Chris, thanks for being with us today. We're glad you're here. Thank you, man. I'm, I'm honored. I'm excited for it. Well, good. Well, I, I'm going to jump right to this. You know, I, well, well, I, I just got to ask you, uh, what I'm a sports guy. What, what was it like being drafted, man? Talk to me about just being drafted, that experience real quickly about being a, you got, you got to be drafted. That's a big deal, right? Absolutely, man. You know, that's something you dream about as a kid. My little brother's actually in college right now and he's a sophomore and he plays baseball at a school called Lander University. And I'm always yeah. talking to him about, you know, what it was like and just the joy you feel and you, you realize, man, you're one of the best players in the country at your age. And so uh, tons of fun, man. It was a it was a journey, but it's something you work your whole life for. So I'm, I'm proud of myself that I got to get that opportunity. Well, that's excellent. I will say I mean, that's, that's a good place to kind of talk to because the folks that are listening to this podcast today are people that worked at places like your alma mater, Charleston Southern University. Tell, tell me about your experience at Charleston Southern. What was it like to be an athlete, to be in the classroom, to grow in your faith? Well, you, you are one of us in that regard. Tell us about your experience at CSU. Absolutely, man. I, I loved it. I loved it. You know, now working with so many schools like I do now, I, I realize the how blessed I was to go to a place where I could share my faith. You know, a lot of places I go nowadays, they say, Chris, we know you, you know, we, you know, you're a man of faith, but you can't really share who you have faith in. And so going to Charleston Southern, you can wear your faith on your sleeve. And looking back on it, I didn't realize how much of a privilege that was. But now I see that um, as I travel throughout the country and the world now, it was a blessing. I, I went from a boy to a man when I was there. So uh, I'm grateful for my time there forever. Well, and that's that's the kind of uh, thing that we love to hear in terms of your your experience and your transformation that, that goes through uh, places like that. What what I should have looked. What, what's your major? What'd you study? What's your degree? What was your academic discipline? I started off wanting to be a physical therapist, right? That was my, uh, my thing, you know. And then uh, I think I took anatomy once, and I said, "Well, you know what? I, this ain't for me, <laughs> right?" I, I and then I. And then I said, okay, well, what's my dream that I could do after I got done playing baseball? Because, you know, every sports kid's like, man, I'm going to get drafted. We all think that. It doesn't happen to 90% of the people. But I said, man, if I don't make it in baseball, I want to be an athletic director. That was my dream. That was my goal. And so I switched to be an education major and then uh, got drafted my junior season. So and then I realized I couldn't student teach, you know, while I'm while I'm out there out and about. And so I had to switch multiple times to organizational management, but man, I loved, I loved it. I loved uh, being at CSU and I'm still obviously 
implemented in certain things at the on, on campus. But yeah, man, definitely have tons of pride in, in doing what I did there. Well, I'm glad that, again, for those who are listening, uh, we are going to be our annual conference. It'll be May 23rd through the 25th this summer, and Chris will be with us right there. Chris, one of the things we do um, talk about with our guests on on the Higher Education, Higher Purpose podcast, talk about your own testimony, your own faith. You know, what did, did you grow up in a, in a home that was a faith-filled home, or did you come to know the Lord and later in life? Talk about your testimony and your, your faith journey. Yeah, man. I, I grew up in a household where church was pretty much mandatory, right? <laughs> My mom- Me too. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. My mom, uh, you know, when she was growing up, she actually didn't, She church wasn't uh, something she went to a lot as a kid. And so, you know, she got saved, I think, at a young age, but didn't really start her personal journey until she was out of college. And, you know, she was on fire for the Lord. I mean, she was the person that would read the Bible from cover to cover every year. And, you know, she had like 10 different Bibles all highlighted up from top to bottom. And she just was in love with her journey. And, you know, early on in life, I, I would have said that I was a believer, but I didn't have that personal relationship. Uh, and once I lost my mom, that's when I really dove deep into my personal faith. And, uh, you know, oftentimes the way that I kind of look at my experience and my testimony is, you know, my mom was killed while she's in church. And there's really only two ways you can go when your mom is killed while she's in church. You could say, hey, man, there's no way God is real if my mom is murdered while she's praying. Or you could say, God, I don't know how in the world this happened or why it happened, but you got to get me through this thing. And I went with the latter and my faith was strengthened. I have finally have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior. And um, it came from that tragedy, honestly. Well, this is um, what's so moving and so compelling about your story, Chris, and your resilience in that you, you've, you've mentioned, um, which is which is your story and, and your your mother's story. Can you can you reflect about that adversity a little bit more about that time when it happened? How old you were? What what that uh, the loss of your mother in the way that 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 she was that she was killed that she was murdered, and then how it was the springboard for what you're doing now. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, I was 18 years old and playing baseball, living life. And I was a freshman in college, just finished my freshman season, had a great freshman year. June 17th of 2015 was the day that I, I found out that my mom, as well as eight other people, had been shot and killed. I didn't know why it happened at first. I just knew that we they were at Bible study and they were taken away here in Charleston. And you know, oddly enough, I, I forgave my mother's killer super early on. And I, I used to always pray and ask God, like, you know, why did you put forgiveness in my heart so quickly? And I realize now that doing the work that I do, I saw the power in forgiveness because I was directly affected by it. Now, I, I'm not a person that can just easily forgive and forget. I know we're supposed to get slapped, you know, one cheek and we turn the other cheek to prepare for another one, right? And I realized that I still have some work to be done on that because it's hard for me to forget. But forgiveness set me free from, you know, wanting revenge. Forgiveness set me free from constantly being scared, right? The PTSD that I was struggling with. Forgiveness kind of, it just, it freed me from so much. I know that the Holy Spirit put that on my heart. And so following, you know, losing my mom, I was playing baseball and then people would say, Chris, man, you, you know, you... You inspire me by forgiving your mother's killer, man. You you inspire me by saying love is stronger than hate. And so could you come speak to my youth group over in, you know, t in Texas or in Florida? And at first I said, you know what, man, I, I'm a baseball player. I'm not doing none of that, right? 
And as time went on, I just said, you know what? I'll do it. I did my first engagement back in 2016 in October in Orlando. And I shared, you know, my story. I shared my faith. I shared my testimony. And the lady came up to me afterwards and said, Chris, I know you're playing baseball, but you got to keep sharing that good news that you shared today. And so for the last six, seven years, uh, that's what I've been doing. You know, we can't, we don't always choose what happens to us, but we can choose our response to it. And my form of activism, my form of keeping my mother's legacy alive is by continuing to share this story and continue to inspire people, uplift people, and bring people closer together. The guy that, that took my mom away, he wanted to start a race for in this country. That was his goal. And so my goal is the exact opposite. I want to unite people in this country. And if I do that, I think I'm making my mom proud. Man, you are, Chris. I'm 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 pretty sure you say that to a lot of people in many different venues, but for a guy like me to hear it for the first time like this, it's inspiring to me. And this is not the first time I've heard Chris uh, speak uh, in my former life as a vice president for enrollment at one of our NACAP member institutions in Tennessee, Lee University. Chris came and shared this with our student body, and that same message is resonating with hundreds and thousands of people around the country. And we're looking forward to hearing you share more of that with our conference folks. Uh, so you're a father now, you're a husband. You know, I, I'm just, I, I'm one of those. I just became a grandparent in the last three weeks for the first time. So it's a big deal for me, but you're at a different stage of life. I'm just curious, talk about being a father and, and now having your own family and how you're approaching being a father and a, a man of faith and leading your family as well. Absolutely, man. I feel like I'm, I'm called to be the, you know, the provider, priest, protector, and I want to be that for, for my kiddos. I've got two little boys. One is five. Uh, one is one and a half. And then we've actually got a daughter on the way. And so my wife. Thank you, man. So uh, my, my wife is pregnant with our third little one. Uh, we're calling it our grand finale, baby. Right. So. <laughs> um, right. So we got our third little one on the way. We'll be here in July. And so I'm excited about that. I think most of all for fatherhood for me, it's given me more reasons to smile, right? Because sometimes when you go through immense pain, you kind of question, will I ever be, be truly be joyful again or be happy? And, you know, when I look at my kids and I play catch with my son like I did yesterday outside and, you know, he's throwing the ball up and catching it with him by himself and just seeing that, seeing my son, my one and a half year old, roll around in the in the dirt <laughs> and just have a good time and laugh, man. I just I just praise God for how good he is and how, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. There is there is sunshine after the rain. And I'm seeing that with my beautiful kids and my high school sweetheart, my wife. It's definitely given me more purpose for my life, uh, but also it's given me more joy. Uh, I love it. Um, and that's, um, you obviously continue the legacy that's been set before you in, in, in great adversity overcoming that. Our purpose today was a, just an introduction to Chris, to our members, and to to let you know um, more about his stories. You can come in here firsthand when he shares with us on campus. Uh, Chris, what tell me kind of baseball player where you are. If you're describing, what's the scouting report on, on Chris's baseball ability? How, how did you approach it? Did you get on base? Were you kind of a, I'm, again, I'm a frustrated athlete, but so I, I know a little bit about it. But what kind of baseball player were you? What's the scouting report on you and your ability? Yeah, man. Well, you know what? I, I always say if I was writing, you just got to report to pitch against me, definitely tons of sliders because I couldn't hit hard sliders, right? Yeah. Okay. But definitely fastball hitter, man. I love, you know, hunting fastballs. I could spray it around a little bit, but I, for a little guy, I had some pop. You know, I could hit him out in BP pretty much on command in my last round. And so, you know, skinny guy, wiry, strong. He's really quick on the base paths. But my best tool was my defensive tool. 
If it was defense only, I feel like I'd be in the big league still right now, right? I'd be playing for, you know, a decade or more if it was just based on defense because playing center field, man, I felt like there was nothing that I couldn't get to. And I think, you know, elite outfielders have that confidence. If it's in the air, I'm tracking it down. Um, so that's the kind of ball player that I was. You got to have that confidence, got to have that swagger. But yeah, I was definitely get on base, run around some great instincts in the outfield, pretty solid arm as well. A couple more questions before we finish up with Chris Singleton, our special guest today and uh, keynote speaker at the NatCap Annual Conference in May. What kind, of, what kind of lessons did you draw from baseball for life? What's a sport lesson? Did you just play baseball first of all? Were there other sports? But then what do you draw from sports that is applied to your life now and what you're doing for the kingdom? Yeah, man, I think knowing that it's not going to be easy, right? So baseball is a really, really tough sport. I think about life, whether you experience adversity when you're seven or 17 or 77, like like life, life's not going to be easy. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says things, things are going to be peachy keen for believers, right? It doesn't say that life's going to be simple for us. What the promise is, is that we're not alone in that fight, right? So literally for me in, in baseball and in life, Knowing that it's not going to be easy, but I'm not alone has been has been uh, something to keep me pushing forward. You know, my favorite verse in the Bible is when it says Jesus wept because I've cried a lot over the last, you know, eight to 10 years of my life and experiencing, you know, both of my parents passing and running to my sport as my getaway. And then I realized, man, my the, the getaway was the success in my sport, not just my sport. And a lot of times athletes, we say our sport is our getaway, but it might be the success in it. So, so realizing that it's not going to be easy, we're not alone. We always have another at bat, right? Yeah. Whether we go for three, there's one more the next day. And so, that same thing with life for me. If you have a rough one, rough day today, you know, if we're blessed for another 24 hours, we get another chance to give it our all and come on top. So, that's kind of what I think I've extracted from my sport. Excellent. We've always got another at bat. Come on, man. I'm with you. I love it. Hey, who's your, do you root for, who's your favorite baseball team? You got a favorite team? Are you a Braves fan being down in Charleston? Man, you know what? Cubs drafted me, so I'm a Cubs guy. I'm oh, a Cubs guy. It. I hear you. That's my um, team. I, I, my dad loved the Brooklyn Dodgers. I'm a big Dodger fan. That's another story for another time, but I, I, I love to talk about baseball. Well, Chris, uh, final question, final thought for us is the conference that are coming, we have folks coming from schools, like I mentioned, Charleston Southern, your alma mater, Lee University, my alma mater, or Huntington University, where we are in Huntington, Andy, from all over the country. They're admissions counselors, vice presidents for enrollment, directors of admissions, also Christian school counselors from Christian schools around the country. What kind of closing thought would you have about the work that they're doing in education? And then maybe just an encouragement for them to come meet you uh, in person um, when we get together in May. What kind of closing thoughts would you have for our, our, our guests? Yeah, man, I think uh, one of the most important things that I get to do in my life is impact the people that will impact thousands, right? I think when we talk about just an occupation that has tons of impact, you know, everybody at this conference, you know, how many students they're going to impact in their lives, it's it's almost immeasurable. Like I can't account, you know, because they're going to impact, you know, 70 students or 700 students this year, another 70 to 700 or 7,000 the next year. And the impact goes on and on and on. And so just, just recognizing how important their jobs are, recognizing the uh, opportunity that they have to influence generations is super important. Uh, but I think for me, my mission is always about loving people, regardless of where we're from, what we look like. If we can spread that love that we've been given to other people, I feel like we're doing what we've been called to do. 
Amen. Well, Chris Singleton, as as you've heard just a little bit of his story here today, um, we're looking forward to hearing more in a, in a keynote session at our conference and get the chance to meet Chris and, and hear more from his story. But best-selling author and uh, motivational speaker, Chris, thank you for being a part of our podcast. We look forward to seeing you in May. I can't wait, man. You're listening to the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast. We're so pleased today to be joined by one of NACAP Annual Conference's keynote speakers, Rob Clark. Rob, let me say hi to you, then I'm going to read the formal introduction. But Rob, hello. Uh, I'm in Indiana. You're in Illinois, right? Thanks for being with us today. That's right. We're, we're holding down the Midwest. Uh, thanks for having me on, Phil. A nice rainy, dreary day for both of us, I know. But let me give Rob the, the, the bio and tell you why Rob has come to our attention. Rob is known as the dad of the tallest family on the internet. That tall family brand has gained a following of more than 2 million fans across TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram with more than 2 billion views. Uh, Rob's goal is to use social media as a platform for spreading light and bringing awareness to organizations that match their values and while also showing others the most effective way to use these tools. Rob currently lives in Greenville, Illinois, as I mentioned, with his wife, Rochelle, and their four children. Rob, thanks again for being a part of this uh, time together. We can't wait to have you at our annual conference in May at Charleston Southern University. That's a very condensed bio, but give me a little more about your background. Tell me a little about your education. Where'd you go to college? Uh, How did you get to where you are today in the industry that you're doing? I did go to college here, uh, Greenville University. During my time, it was Greenville College, but you know, a little bit of a, a marketing play there, I guess. But so we came back recently, Uh, Real quickly, our journey was I came to Greenville College to play basketball. Uh, My wife came here, uh, who's actually from Canada, because her pastor as a kid growing up is originally from Greenville. That's how she knew about the college. Fate, actually, it wasn't fate. I guess it was God would bring us together. And uh, so after we got married, we finished school. Then we were in Canada for almost 20 years. And so my my journey was uh, education then it was the business world, and that's kind of where I got really into marketing, uh, which eventually led to social media. Uh, I spent several years as an executive pastor at a church out in Vancouver, British Columbia, uh, and that was a great season of life. And as a church plant, and we were growing very quickly, realizing that a lot of what we were doing, the reason why we're growing is because of some of our impact through social media and then from there, we went back to her hometown of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I think you should give bonus credit to anyone that could spell that. Um, and, <laughs> and, right. and then uh, we spent a few years there before we moved back to the U.S. And, and that's kind of when I jumped into higher education, went to Spring Arbor University, where an old basketball coach is one of the VPs there. And unfortunately for us, it was just the wrong time. And the lockdowns happened. Uh, there was no school. There was no sports. And so we just had the opportunity to move to Georgia where life was a little bit more normal. So we decided to, to make that leap. And that's when we really went all in on social media. I didn't have a job lined up in Georgia, but I thought, well, I've done social media for a long time. I've helped a lot of different organizations or, or companies that I've worked with use it. I think we could do it as a family. And so we decided to sell our house, kind of bet on ourselves a little bit to take a shot at it. And it's really worked out for us. And then since then, we decided to move closer to family. I have family closer here to Greenville where we know people, we have some history. And then we decided to move back to Greenville. And then once we decided to do that, then there was an opportunity to do some work here at the college as well. And so that's kind of like a a snapshot of how we ended up here. 
It's very and, helpful. Uh, it's so so why I ask that is you're one of us, Rob. You're, you're, you're one of your, and, and I say that with affinity because I attended an institution that's a NACAP. It's my alma mater, our mother, yes. right? Um, we were a college and became a university, but I wasn't a real athlete. Uh, I was just a PA announcer. So I could say starting at four to six, seven, six, six. Well, I, I, I would say six, six, actually six, five. If, if we're going to, okay, let's just get everything out on all the cards out on the table here. Bare feet, I'm six, five and a half, but I'm always like, well, I wear shoes anywhere I go out in public. So I'm going to go six, six. If we're on the beach, you can say six, five and a half. There you go. Well, I, in my team pictures, believe it or not, I had the guarded guys like you in high school, and I was dunked on by a lot of guys in my time. But, you know, I would have to stand on my tiptoes, you know, to, for the team picture. You know, I wanted to be taller. Uh, clearly, uh, you didn't have to do that. But uh, real real college athletes uh, keynoting our NACAP conference and yeah. a lot of good experience from athletics. I think we'll just start right there and say, what from athletics did you take uh, from playing high school, but also in college, what do you take from athletics that helps for what you're doing now in your life or social media for whatever is impacting your life today? Well, if and my kids all play sports and I think the valuable thing about sports, and it's not the only place that you can get it, but it is one of the places you can get it where you learn to work on a team, especially some sports, you know, football and basketball. And there, there's definitely certain sports that you rely on your team more than others, but all sports to some degree, there is some team aspect. Uh, in some ways, it's a fake environment to learn how to fight. You know, it's definitely not war, but people would say you're going to war, you know, because it's a competition, but it's it's not life or death. But it is a situation where you can put yourself into adversity, going up against someone else, competing. And so all of those things is really what life is about. Uh, of course, there's a lot of other ways to get that, but I think sports is a very easy one. And so as I look back, I mean, sports is definitely... Um, something that that trains young people. Now, the thing that I do also love about sports that I'll, I'll try to tie it in here a little bit is that sports are always evolving. Now, basketball is is my sport, so I know the most about it. But the game is radically different today than it was even 20 years ago when when I was playing. Um, now, it doesn't matter who you are if you're five feet tall or seven feet tall. You need to shoot the three. Uh, where back in my day, it was like I don't know if the coach wanted anyone to shoot the three. But definitely, if you're not the big man, you're not shooting the three. But things change, um, and just the sport itself changes. And I, I think that's life, right? That things do change, and we got to be willing to adapt. And and so people will debate: was basketball better then, or was it better? Is it better now? And, and I and, and for me, it's like, well, it doesn't matter. It's it's just different. And so you can reminisce in the good old days, or things are better now. But the reality is, we don't have a choice. We got to adapt. And so if you want to play basketball today you got to be able to shoot. That's just the, the way the game is. And so I think that's, that's another thing about sports and life. Life is always changing. Our culture is changing. Uh, markets are changing. The economy is changing. And if we're not willing to adapt, then we may no longer get to play that sport. Well, that's, the, that's worth the price of admission on this podcast today and a great idea and a topic for, for the annual conference uh, because that kind of idea is what we're talking about as our members come from around the country. Uh, the, the, the family is known as that tall family. So I think it'd be good for our listeners and, and viewers today to know a little bit about the family. You know, I've seen and I know the visual that the, when, when you come into the, your social media is like, this is a visual and, a, and an impact that you have. Tell us about your family, if you don't mind, and their athletes athletic ability or their kind of what brought you to to this particular angle of that tall family yeah one, one of the things is uh, a couple of years ago when we kind of kind of pushed into it my, my son was seven foot at the time so it, it didn't matter anywhere we go because there are six of us and so when you walk into a room already 
little bit, I mean, we're not a huge family, but a little bigger than most. And, and all of us are tall, you know, I'm six, six, which, you know, used to be people like, Oh, you're tall. And, and now when I'm with the family, they don't notice me as much. And my daughters are tall, like the whole family's, you know, relatively tall. But at, at one time, it was like, definitely the notice was was on my son. And so there's a lot of comments and, you know, sometimes appropriate, sometimes inappropriate, uh, but there's a lot of comments. And so one of the things that we wanted to do is that by highlighting the whole family. And so now, you know, we go someplace and, you know, more times than not, uh, it may be my daughters, you know, that, that somebody wants a picture with one of my daughters or, you know, something like that. Or it's kind of funny, even, you know, people recognize me and it's like, well, I'm just, I'm just the, the dad, right. You know, of, of the story. But some of it was, is like, now the focus is, is kind of as a family as a whole. And, and so I, I think that's been one of the things that we've done with it, but we are a close family. Like we love to spend time together. Um, and we do that purposefully. And so this has been a huge blessing because in some ways we get to work together um, and it allows us uh, opportunities that we might not have had otherwise. And then the kids really enjoy it. Um, some people are like, well, do you even give your kids a choice? They all have a choice. Um, we really, you know, so we may make one or two videos a day. So that's like a handful of minutes out of our day. And the kids always get to say no. There's times where, you know, the kids just start feeling like, I don't want to be in a video today. That's great. Or, you know, you don't have to be in a video. It's some other kid or none of the kids. Or So for us, it's been a blessing. It's it's opened up some doors. It's allowed us to, to do some really cool things. Uh, and I think no matter for my family, no matter what comes next for them, whatever they want to do, I think having the ability to operate social media in the world we're in today is going to serve them well for whatever they decide to do. Excellent. Well, uh, just recently, um, we we connected on LinkedIn, and and I want to read something you shared today, if I might, Rob. We're recording this on a Friday, and and you said the secret to social media growth that I give out every day to aspiring influencers: create content every single day for years. Can you talk a little bit about how you got to this place now, the impact that you had, your strategy, and the impact that you're seeing first just from a social media influencer standpoint, and then we'll follow up talking about faith and what that means to you. But first, getting into this, the social media strategy that you're sharing on LinkedIn and all the platforms. And so when, when, when I do meet with influencers and being on a college campus, I literally meet with kids every single day, uh, students, young adults, and they want to know, like, I want, I want to be an influencer. How do I do it? And and it's the same talk every time. I was like, the first thing is that you got to create content. They're like, okay, I can do that. You have to do it every single day. I can do that. And you just got to do that for years. And, and then it's like, ah. so, and it's like any success story. So in the last two years, we've kind of been really on a rocket ship as far as our views. Because even two years ago, that post that, that I put out, you know, it was a big deal. Like in the past 28 days, and I show, shared that metric, you know, we had 5 million views. And for us at the time, it's like, man, this is insane. 5 million people have watched our content this month. Um, and right now, in the last 28 days, it's 160 million views. And so it just keeps going up. But even two years ago, when we started that tall family, I was creating videos hundreds of videos uh, for years. In fact, my very first video that I put on YouTube was when my son was around three years old, uh, very TikTok style. You know, there's some music playing in the background and he's struggling to put his socks on and it kind of created a story, 15 second video. And so we've been doing that. Uh, I've been doing that for, you know, for decades. And so it's one of those things like any success stories, there's always, you've been doing something for a long time, but at the end of the day, I can promise anybody that wants to get more awareness with social media is simply about quantity. 
Now, of course, quality matters, uh, context matters, all those things do matter. But if you don't have the quantity, it's almost like the price of admission. If you don't have the quantity, it's going to be very, very hard. The chances of you making one video and it going viral is very unlikely. Now, if you make 100 videos, the chances of having a viral video uh, are pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Uh, again, our guest is Rob Clark uh, from That Tall Family. He's That Tall Dad and sharing excellent insight uh, regarding uh, social media and influencers. Um, and so the the idea that this overnight sensation, like with any business or any kind of role, it's a little bit of a myth, right? It, it, it's so rare that your point is, look, create the content, do it every day for years, and the success that you're having now, what you've shared, um, will hopefully come, right? Exactly. And so to get very practical, you know, it's one thing to talk about, you know, what we've created is, is that tall family. Um, and it's fun. And I think the principles uh, apply here as well. But I've been in this role now at Greenville for six months, and we are seeing some success. Now, if you compare it to, you know, what we are as a tall family, it, it doesn't compare as far as the numbers, but the increase that we've seen uh, has been substantial. And it's the same playbook. It, it's pre creating quality and quantity at the same time. So we're doing a couple videos every single day uh, and being consistent with that. And we see our numbers keep going up. Our followers are going up. Our views are going up on every single platform. And so that's, and that's what it's about. We're all just trying to, how do we get more awareness for our school? And so simply by putting out content every single day, it, it really is simple as that. And so it's a bit of a discipline, but the numbers six months in are radically different than they were six months ago. And I know in a year from now, I know in two years from now, they're still going to go up. Now, where they go, we, we can't predict that. We may have a viral video and we may double our numbers or we may just continue to go up 10 to 15 percent every you know week type thing. But the ultimate, the, just being very practical here, is that if you're not in the game, if you're not producing content, you're not going to have any growth. Excellent. Uh, this is a, a appetizer. We're hopeful that for those yeah. of you that are coming to the conference and those that might just uh, roll in to see this particular podcast, you mentioned you're an executive pastor, Rob, and 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 your your um, keynote will will kick off our conference. And so we know the the kind of the success of this kind of social media influence, the fact that you're one of us, that you're a product of our institutions, and the success that you've had, but but also your faith and your family's faith uh, have to be important part of this conversation for us. So maybe just talk. Talk about maybe a husband, father, uh, your, your approach to, to, to your faith and, and also how you've navigated becoming a, a, a notor having some notoriety, having some success as you navigate this and being true to being a person who loves and serves the Lord. Yeah, so for my wife and I, uh, I don't think that, I actually, to be honest, I don't know how any couple could stay married if they don't put their faith in Jesus. I, I mean, I just, I just don't understand. I know people do that. But I mean, it's just crazy to me um, because without our faith, because um, for us, that's the most important thing. No matter what changes, you know, we've lived in different countries and different states and we move different jobs. All of that, it doesn't matter if because what's most important to us as a family is our faith in Jesus. So it really does shape every single thing that we do as a family and as, as a father and as a husband, it's the most important thing. My ministries to my wife, my ministries to my kids. And my first priority is to make sure that I lead them well. And so that's, that's where everything starts there. And so for my wife and I, every discussion, it has to line up. Okay, our faith, if it's not driven by Scripture, if it's not driven by our belief in Jesus and being powered by the Holy Spirit, if that doesn't happen, 
then uh, we just assume it's it's, it's going to be a mess. So having said that, how that plays into what we're doing as a family, at the time I didn't realize when I came to college here in 1995, that's when I started Greenville College, I got a scholarship from Bob Briner. And so it was a class of 56 scholarship. It was a leadership scholarship. And Bob Briner wrote a book in 1993 called Roaring Lambs. And the big idea of Roaring Lambs is that we need Christians to be excellent in all these areas that shape culture. And so, of course, we need people, men and women, to do ministry within the church. Uh, We need missionaries. But we also need missionaries that are thinking about the arts. We need missionaries that are thinking about, you know, he talked about, you know, writing in the New York Times or creating movies with Christian values. And and so some of the things that we see today, he he talked about that. He he got into athletics and uh, one of his companies, ProServe, you know, got into professional tennis and he was very involved in athletics very successful man. But the whole idea was, is that we need to be salt and light in these areas that shape culture. And so we need excellent Christians that also are lawyers, that are also our doctors, also are artists. And so that book was written in, in 93. And so as I read that book, often at the time, it, it didn't have a deep impact on me because I was just a kid and my brain wasn't fully <laughs> formed yet. But I look back on it and I realize how God used that as a part of my story. And fast forward to where we're at now today, and, and I'm not going to, obviously, parenting is the hardest job in the world. Some parents decide that their kids are not going to be on social media. That That's a great decision. That's a decision you have to make as a family. For us, we realize that the majority, not just kids, but the majority of the world is on social media. And we, we, we would argue that the majority of culture is shaped by social media. I mean, we even heard that we, you know, there's people that believe the election, every election now is decided on social media of the free world, you know, so like, and of course, we know that it sells products, but more importantly, it shapes culture. So for us as a family, how can we be in a space that often is, unfortunately, there's a lot of darkness there, there, there's a lot of just perversion, really, at the end of the day, there's a lot of sinful activity that does live on these platforms. We decided how can we be salt and light in a place where we know most of the culture is and is getting shaped by. And so that's something that we we do take very seriously. And so even though some of our content is just trendy and you wouldn't watch that first video and say, oh, they're a Christian family, but it allows us in some of our stories, as we tell more of our story, we, we get to dig a little bit deeper, dive into that. And a lot of the conversations that we have, um, whether it's online or offline because of that, does allow us to get more into and share our faith. Um, and so we think it's important for us as Christians, and, and I think as I think about Christian colleges, we need to think about this as we send students into the world. This is the world that we have to know how to navigate because whether we like it or not, whether it's good or bad, it's the reality. And so we need to learn how to navigate. And so, again, I keep using Bob Briner's phrase, roaring lambs. We need to be salt and light in places like social media. And so that's kind of really our focus as a family. Well, NACAP is thrilled that Rob Clark of That Tall Family will be one of our keynote speakers at our annual conference because you are doing exactly what you said. That is being salt and light in a, in a place that absolutely needs it. And so, um, again, uh, we appreciate you taking time to do that for us. Rob, what what um, kind of invitation or what words would you have to colleagues just like you all around the country at, at Greenville University or, or schools just like that to invite them to come be a part of this conference? Kind of a little appetizer, teaser, if you will, as to what we might experience with your keynote, but also uh, with, the, with the three days we'll be together. 
Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, my keynote is, is just one of the small slices of the pie. But I think what this conference allows people to do is that there will obviously be some information and encouragement. And, and I know we're spending some time worshiping together, and, and that's really, really good. But like most people, when they talk about conferences, the real value is connecting face-to-face with other people. And so, and I think that's true. And there, there's a, it's not a Christian conference at all, but um, there's a, a, an event called South by Southwest. A lot of people are familiar with it down in Texas. Huge. I mean, it has to do with the arts and business. And, and there's a lot of stories that come out like in years past where people would meet at South by Southwest and go on to form these companies that we all know and use today. And, and I don't think necessarily that's going to happen exactly the same, but those stories could be the same where some of these co-founders would actually spend, you know, hours in hotel rooms or, you know, in the banquet hall or whatever, discussing and connecting because we all know, you know, let's, let's get to the valley before we get to the mountaintop. We all know that colleges are shutting down, uh, even here in the Midwest. I, you know, I know several colleges personally that I have friends or family members that have attended that are shutting down or going online only. Everyone's talking about how there's going to be less students coming just right around the corner. So, and we all know the economy at any moment could implode. There, there's all these things that in some ways is like, oh, that's pretty dark. But I think as Christian colleges, we have an opportunity to be different. Like we, and, and I do think there are a lot of students in the world right now that are looking for something that's different. And so I think this is a unique time where, you know, we could come together and have these conversations with one another because we, we know the data that things could get bad, but we also know that with some creativity, uh, with a little bit of risk-taking, maybe a little bit of innovation and just a little bit of boldness that we actually can make a difference. I, I think the world is hungry for a difference right now. So I think we're at a unique time and place. And so I think a conference like this is a perfect place where people are gathering. And I, I think God could use that and some amazing things could come out of it. In a few years from now, we're telling stories like, man, we met at this conference and God took us on this wild ride and look where we're at now. I, I do think those stories are going to happen. This is why we do the conference, and this is why we've invited Rob Clark of That Tall Family to be a part of the conference. Rob, thank you so much for sharing with us today. We're grateful that you took time to do that, and we're grateful that you and your family will be with us in May at Charleston Southern University for the NACAP Annual Conference. Thanks so much, Rob. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Be sure to join us next time for the Higher Ed, Higher Purpose podcast.